Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from our equipping pastor, Dennis Kozlov. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. Good morning, church. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> we continue our series of messages called, uh, I was almost saying religious detox, which is true. Every series we do, it has a strong element of religious detox. We're trying to take those sickening religious particles from your system so that you can enjoy God and experience His reality and bring this reality to other people. Religion stifles that. The gospel changes everything. All right. So we continue our series on the book of Ephesians. And the name of proper name of the series is the heart of the new covenant. And we already covered first three chapters, which is the presentation of the eternal purpose of God. Paul's uh, epistles usually structured, especially doctrinal epistles, the ones that, that, that present what the gospel is, they're usually structured this way. He greets them, and then he presents to them what he calls my gospel, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. And then he moves on to the practical application, but he never graduates from the gospel. It's always united. And actually, if you read it carefully, over and over again, he brings you back to the gospel and back to the gospel and back to the gospel because we are called to live in the light of the gospel. Our, our walk is, is the outflow of what's happening in our heart as we behold the Lord in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? It's not a set of rules that you're supposed to abide by. It's an enjoyment. All right. I'll wake you up today. Don't worry. So for Paul, declaration of the gospel is explaining and proclaiming what? He explains and proclaims what has happened when Christ has come and died. What has happened when he died, he was buried, he rose from the dead and was ascended. What has happened? And you know he explained what happened. He explained the meaning, the consequences of this historic events and he says what happened is Christ removed all hindrances and all barriers between us and God. He has dealt with everything that was against our communion with God outside of us and inside of us. He has done it all so that now we're clean. We are alive. We were dead but he brought us back from death. We were darkness. He brought us into the light. We were in the kingdom of darkness. He snatched us out and put us into the kingdom of the beloved Son of God. He breathed new life in us. Whoa, that's the gospel. You're a new creation now. You're born of God. You carry the DNA of God. You're a different race, different kind. You're alien. You're weird. In a good way because there's a new life, new realities within you. And if, I'm sorry, but I keep saying that in America it's so easy to grow and be a nominal Christian. Just go to church, do stuff, know the Bible, do, 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 do. none of that reality. So please, if you feel like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm kind of a nominal Christian. I want you to become an experiential Christian. Receive Jesus today. 
Why don't we do it right now? I'm sorry. Let, let's do it right now. For the sake of those who have never done it before, I want all of you to stand up right now. And we'll pray this prayer together. Out loud. You will repeat after me. But if you've never done it before, do it from the bottom of your heart. Mean it as you say these words to God. This prayer will change your life. This prayer will open the gates of heaven into your life. This prayer will make you a new creation. So let's pray together for the sake of those who have never done it before so that they would feel comfortable doing that. Let's close our eyes. Repeat after me, but mean it from your heart. Father God, I thank you so much for loving me and for manifesting this love through your Son, Jesus Christ, that you sent to this earth to die for my sins, to remove all obstacles, to embrace me into your family, and to give it to me as a free gift of grace. I receive this gift right now. Jesus, thank you. Be my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Change everything within me. And change my life for eternity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated, guys. I love doing that. Because even one person prayed this prayer for the first time and meant it, your name is written in the book of heaven today. And your new life has come. You might not feel it. You might feel it. Your new life has come. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. All right. Okay. Woo. I need to get back to my script. Christ removed all hindrance. I said that. He, he, now, He is our Father. And He's your Father. If you prayed this prayer for the first time, God is your Father now. His kingdom is your kingdom now. And it's not for the future, it's for now for you to experience. And your calling is to experience this kingdom in your daily life. Not just to read about it, not just to hear some people experiencing it. You are called to experience the reality of God in your life because God has put His very spirit, His very essence, His very presence within your heart. This is the core of your being now. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Remember the picture of the temple from the Old Testament? There was an outer court. Everybody could have their commotion there and whatever. There was a more intimate space called the sanctuary. Only people who would come purposefully to interact with God would come there. And there was a very special place, the most inner place called the holy of holies the very presence of god the glory of god was right in the middle of that that's you now that's a description of you now so I, if it feels like it has nothing to do with god you might be like full of commotion like stuff is going on you can always stop you can always turn your heart you can always go deep down into your heart and find god there and that's the core of our life now and we are learned we, we are called by Paul to leave out of that he said now beginning from chapter 4 on for the rest of the epistle it's a call to live worthy of your calling 
walk worthy of your calling. The Holy Spirit chose this word walk because he first draws this beautiful vista, panoramic view of God's eternal purpose that he calls salvation. It's breathtaking. It's mind-blowing. But then he said, so now, therefore, walk in a worthy manner. Sometimes we think God is calling people to lay down their life in a great, great exploits for him and for his glory. No, for most of us, it's a call to walk. Walk means seemingly insignificant mundane steps of life. That's how you spend your day. So now, last week, uh, actually two weeks before, we looked, what does it imply? How do we walk worthy of the gospel? Well, first of all, you never separate yourself from the gospel. You never create a code of conduct that Christians are supposed to abide by, detached from the gospel. You live by the gospel. You behold the gospel. You take roots in the gospel. The gospel, oh, you know me. Gospel, 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 good news, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Lord Jesus. Man, I hate that crap that they preach and serve it as the gospel. How to be a better version of you? Who needs a better version of you? People need Jesus. And you are perfect perfect place to manifest Jesus actually your life your your walk your walk your your daily routines is the best platform the best pulpit that you will ever have to declare the glory of God come on now so Paul begins his exhortation to live worthy of his call again a couple of weeks ago first thing you learn is to preserve diligently preserve put effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace if i'm not going to unpack it and develop it go online listen to that message because our natural tendencies and inclination is to choose people that we like and accept them and kind of carefully reject people that we don't like would jesus do that 12 disciples of Jesus would probably kill each other and some of them literally kill each other. If today Jesus would have come to America, he would collect his disciples and half of them would be Democrats and half of them would be Republicans. I guarantee you, guarantee you, one third would be immigrants with a heavy accent. And one-third would be America, guys. And what do you do with that? You put that aside to maintain and preserve the unity of the spirit, not of the flesh. Amen. A lot of churches are based on the unity of the flesh. Amen. All right, guys. I don't know what's happened to me today. It's a different coffee I tried. I don't know what they're serving. <clears throat> okay, so... <laughs> So the question is, like, if, if Jesus has dealt with all the barriers, all the problems, does it even matter how I live? Does it even matter? If Christ has solved all the fundamental problems that we had with God, does it matter how I live? Paul's answer is yes, it does matter. A lot. 
You see, during the time of Paul, there was a rivalry movement called Gnosticism. Have you heard of that? And it was actually competing with Christianity. And there were versions of Gnosticism that were very much like Christianity. They even used the, the, the same terminology. They even used the same texts. They used some of the books of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. But they taught, that, that particular branch taught that as long as you get it, and agnosticism comes from the word gnosis, which is knowledge. So as long as you get the special secret knowledge, it unlocks certain things in you. It changes your inner world and makes everything conducive to receive the reality of the divine. So the rest doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter how you live after that. All that matters is your inner life. It doesn't go beyond but Paul said, no, that's not how Christ came into this world, and that's not how you are in this world. He said, you, if you're a Christian, you're called to experience transformation of your inner reality, but you are always called to go beyond your inner life. Beyond your inner life. Do you hear me? That's why I teasingly call Christians who only have experiences in the church, goosebumps Christianity. It doesn't go beyond goosebumps on your skin. That's the ultimate extension anyway so but Paul speaks emphatically against this approach because some Christians began to to embrace it he says it's absolutely important how you walk in your daily life the gospel is a call to receive this inner life reality different inner life different life of God life of God but then you need to learn to for, for this life of God to penetrate and saturate everything in you and outside of you begin to spill over and you become like a little version of Jesus in Springfield you walk and on one hand you're like flesh and blood on the other hand you exude the Spirit of God every once in a while you release the reality of the kingdom of God so the gospel changes everything not just inner life but uh, external life so Paul he gives us an example in chapter 4 Paul gives us an example of Gentiles Remember, he says, so do not walk like Gentiles. And what he does, he gives a description of their inner state. He says, their mind is darkened. The heart is hardened. Insensitive to the move of the, of the, of the life of God. And as a result, what they do, they walk a certain way. He said, do not do that. Because you have a different inner reality right now. Do you hear me? So what, what happens is, he says those Gentiles, they're dead inside, but they want to feel alive. And the only way they feel alive when they give themselves over to all kinds of sinful impurities. All kinds of practices that excite their feelings and emotions and sensations and temporarily make them feel alive. They're basically describing somebody addicted to something that destroys them. Do you hear it? Okay, and he says, that's not how you, I'm, I'm going to read uh, this passage, but that's not the way you learn Christ. I'm not going to have it on the screen, I'll just read it quickly. I'm, I'm reading the whole passage. For those of you who take notes, it's Ephesians 4, 17 through 25. He says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk 
as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them. You see, he describes the inner state of these people. Ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and they've given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt. I'm not going to go deep in there. But my point is if you have never received Jesus, you have this glitchy let's call you hardware with the glitchy software if you receive Jesus everything gets reinstalled and now you operate out of different reality okay so uh, still have time good 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 because I have so much to, to tell you today don't be scared but I, I'm almost overwhelmed like how in the world I'm gonna do that today excuse me so I'm, I'm going to jump right into it. So last time I spoke, I spoke about Paul's call to preserve and maintain the unity of the Spirit, right? Now he moves on to talk to us about the life of purity. Life of purity. And you have different ideas what it means. Some of them are more in line with the Bible. Some are not. Some, uh, some are not. I'll just give you a brief definition what a non-religious purity means and it's not necessarily like all-inclusive exhaustive definition but I jotted it quickly I said living in purity means being conscious of the Holy Spirit in you and deliberately creating clean uncluttered spaces for the Holy Spirit to manifest himself Being conscious of the presence of the person of God, the most gentle Holy Spirit, and making room for Him and letting Him manifest Himself through you. That's a life of purity. And how do you attain to this life of purity? You see, Paul, Paul loves lists. Did you notice that Paul in his epistles, he loves lists. He has lists of sins. He has lists of vices. He has lists of... And we're coming to this part of his exhortation that has lists. Here's what I want you not to do. Remember, not. You don't want to do that. Don't read these lists like this. I want to tell you what Paul's exhortations are not. Two weeks ago when Neil was getting ready to preach, but he got sick unfortunately... We, we thought maybe I will preach or maybe Derek well and finally decided that Derek Ellis will preach but Neil shared some of his ideas with me <clears throat> and some of his processes and he said Dennis only in recent years when I began to understand the gospel I began to read New Testament differently because he said for years subconsciously every time I would come across the list of sins or a list of vices I would immediately just take it as a Christian version of the law that's not, that is not how you are supposed to read those. 
Because if you read it like that, you destroy the entire logic of Paul. Because the law was given as a provisional, functional, temporal means to bring you to the end of yourself, to bring you to total ultimate condemnation, to bring you to acknowledgement that I can't do it on my own. Please, Jesus, I need you. And if you've come to that point, there's no more room for the law. It doesn't matter whether it's a law of Moses or a law composed of different parts of the New Testament. Get rid of it. You do not engage with God in the New Testament, in the New Covenant based on the law. You do not. Jesus is the heart of your interaction with God. You are placed in Jesus. And Jesus has been put into you. That is the basis. You hear me? Everything else is a religious crap. And second, you don't read the law. You don't read those lists or those exhortations as a self-help industry books. A lot of churches today, they attract people by presenting the general idea that using the Bible, you can improve yourself. You can improve different areas of your life. And what they do, which is true partially, your life will be better if you live by the Bible. It will be better. But come on. You will not participate in the kingdom of God if you keep bolstering your self-seeking life. Your dreams, your ideas, your desires, your ambitions, your aspirations. People who are good for you to have nearby and people who are not good for you to have. What is this? It's flesh. It has nothing to do with the move of the Spirit. He will make your life better. But he will change your mind that you wouldn't care anymore. And that's what he's talking about here. So let's read this text. And I'm going to read it. It's a big chunk of text. I'm going to read it slowly. We're going to move through this part of chapter 5. And it's so dense and pithy. I'm going to only use a few verses to unpack. And I'll try to make my point on just one thing that you would take away from today. And it will work on you as the week goes by, all right? So let's read it. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 21. Therefore, remember this is a famous phrase of Paul. He brings a summary and he brings us to this ap uh, practical application. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us. And gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, which is an idolater, such person has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And I can just feel how some of you begin to cringe when you hear these verses. 
Because some of you are raised and trained every time you hear verses like that to be filled with fear for yourself. And that just tells me that you don't understand the gospel. This fear is a result of religious indoctrination that has happened in your past. You read in this text, there are a handful of scriptures in the New Testament that can be very scary. And actually, unfortunately, a lot of preachers through the centuries, they use those scriptures to infuse people with fear. That destroys the very logic of Paul's appeal. Do you understand that? Paul fights for your crazy boldness and confidence in your access to God and in the embrace of God. He has no desire to destroy this confidence in you. Do you hear me? If you believe Paul and he's our apostle, you need to know that he wants us to be like 10 times more confident than we are right now. 100 times. Million times. He wants us to be as bold as he was. He wants us to be as bold as Jesus was. And preaching and sermons that use scriptures that obscure to infuse you with fear deprive you of this boldness. Let me tell you something. So when Neil and I discussed this message, I said, Neil, I really want to just pass by this part and just move on to the main thing. He said, yeah, but so many people are hanging up to that. They're like, ah, they'll get stuck. They won't be able to follow you. So you kind of have to give a micro message on that to relieve people, to encourage people, to infuse them with encouragement and, and anticipation instead of fear. And I agreed. So right now you're getting a micro sermon. So we pause Ephesians right now. We're going to tackle your fear of those scriptures, okay, for a few minutes, if you don't mind. Do you? Okay, good. So what is he talking about? This religious indoctrination, here's what happened. Most of these scriptures, those scary scriptures, were connected in your mind with, with, with your salvation, with your eternal destiny, with your like ultimate destination, with heaven and hell, with stuff like that. If you just put it aside, which as I understand is very hard to do, and just read what Paul says, he has none of that in there. Zero. He's not talking about those things. He is not. In fact, the very logic and the place where those passages are destroy this, this kind of preaching. For Paul, Christ is the gift of God's grace. He is your righteousness. He is your salvation. And he is everything you need to have. To have the reality of God in your life and His favor. This is the foundation. So, I want you to know that, that for Paul, when he exhorts us to not to live like Gentiles anymore, he appeals, he tells us to put aside all falsehood. So, if you are a Christian, but you live like you're not, you live in line with falsehood that you didn't put aside. And any lie has an ability to all over time to suppress the truth. The gospel is the ultimate revelation, ultimate truth about who God is and who you are in Him. 
And if you don't stay in receiving the gospel and increasing this light in you, you're going to keep on living out of the darkness and lies that will ultimately suppress it. And you will experience all the pain in the world. Although God is in you, you will go through hell on this earth. If you keep bolstering, that's why I don't like bolstering ourself, our ego. Because if, if I, through my preaching, I will just bolster your ego, you will go through hell in this life. And you'll turn life of other people around you into hell. I'm sorry. That's true. So let me read 1 Corinthians. Here's Paul's understanding. He says, no one can lay any other foundation except for Jesus Christ. But what you build upon this foundation will determine a lot of things. Let's read. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. According to the grace of God given to me, Paul writes, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. He's talking about his ministry, his work. But this ministry's work is, is directed to all the Christians. So it's applied to, in a sense, it applied to all the Christians. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, upon this foundation. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. No other foundation. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Listen, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it. How? So we're all nice and hunky-dory right now. But I'm telling you right now, according to this, all of you, if you're Christians, you have the same foundation. Jesus Christ, the gift of grace. But you build your life differently right now. Some of you use this kind of material. Some of you use that kind of material. And, and some of you use a mixture. Most of us use mixture. And the day will come that all of that will be manifest and revealed by fire. All of us will have fire. So if you listen to messages that, oh, you have a nice pillow of clouds and bloom, bloom, bloom in heaven. And those of you are going to have fire. No, we're all going to have fire, dudes. If you read scripture carefully, we, and this fire is God himself. And this fire is his nature of love. And this fire is going to burn everything that doesn't, doesn't correspond to this love. It's contradicting to this love. The fire either melts and purifies or burns down and up. That's all it does. Hello, good news. We're all going to be... Yeah, there will be pain. I'm sorry. That's life. That's how it works. You build the wrong thing, it's going to collapse and it'll be pain and disappointment and embarrassment and all of that. There'll be, there'll be comfort at the end of the day. But listen, let's, let's read it. For no one can lay foundation. I read it. 12, verse 12. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by the fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone works is burnt up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved. But only is through fire. 
Do you see the picture here? All you have is a foundation. You have nothing left. You're burnt out. The picture here is someone who lost everything, all of his possessions in the fire. And by the skin of his teeth, in the last seconds before the building collapsed, he just ran out. And even clothes is kind of burnt up. There's not much glory in there. There's no shining. There's no glory. There's no reward. There's no influence. What are you building with? <laughs> but I'm not hitting you here so that you'll be paralyzed. I want to be like Paul and tell you guys. Let's move on reading. I got so many, just like I was afraid. Time is running out. I'm going to like skip most of it. Man. Man. Pray for my wisdom to increase so that I would know how to compose the enough material and not to go too much. So... Let's just come to chapter 5. How do you learn to live in a way that whatever you're building, you're building of the right materials, gold, silver, and not hay and wood? How, how do you begin to live in a way that, the spirit, that would be conducive to the Spirit of God to work through you? Well, Paul gives it right here. He says, chapter 5, verse 1. Let's read it together. Therefore... Be imitators of God as beloved children. That's the call. Be imitators of God as beloved children. That's the, the title of my message. It's funny. I'm bringing the title at the end of my time, right? Imitators of God. If you're a Christian and you call yourself a disciple, your call is to imitate God. Basically, the Greek word, as far as I understand there, is pretty much used to, for mimicking. You're called to mimic God. Well, I'll tell you a couple of stories. One story is when, back when we lived in Russia, we had a cat for a pet. I was full back then, so I chose cat instead of a dog. I've grown over time in wisdom. I've become smarter, so no more cat. Not only so, I even got wise. No more pets. No, no. Well, anyway, we had a cat, and we live in a small apartment on the eighth floor, and this cat had a, like, almost like a characteristics of a dog. And this cat really, really, really loved the indoor situation, and he really felt like he's part of the family. Uh, he, uh, and the only time he left the apartment, he lost his manhood, so he knew that he's not supposed to leave anywhere. It, it, it never ends well. So, <clears throat> sorry, but uh, he, he stayed in the apartment, and he always tried to imitate us. He always tried to emphasize that he's one of us. Like, if we would go to the living room, watch TV, he would come and sit and watch TV. And if we would go to our small, tiny uh, kitchen and eat, he would come and get to his bowl and eat. See, guys, I'm with you, I'm with you. Even if someone, one of us from the family would go in the restroom, he would sneak in and get in his litter box. Just, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So in a sense, it was mimicking. But it was very different from what Paul is talking about here. Because the cat does not have a nature, does not have DNA, does not have the same life, does not have the same values, does not have the same language as the family members. Here's another example. There's a little girl running around this church. Her name is Daisy. Many of you know her. 
a daughter of, our, uh, of Wes and Lily. And she just at this funny stage when they began to develop. And a few months ago, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I, Wes later will correct me, but I think she started developing this. Every time she would see somebody playing musical instruments and worshiping, she would go like, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. This is mimicking. But the big difference between the cat situation and this situation is she's got the stuff inside of her that will ultimately get her into the real worship of God. As she grows and mimicking her mom and dad, she will become more and more like them. And in fact, you will begin to see a lot of mom in her and a lot of her dad in her. And you will see a lot of new things in her. That's how it works. You guys are genuine family of God now because of the life of God that has been put inside of you. And now Paul is calling you to imitate, to mimic God. How do you do that? He gives you the recipe right there. He said, here's how you do that. Well, by the way, how do we mimic? We mimic by observing and trying to do the same. How do we observe God? And he gives the answer right here. He says, where's my scripture? He says, therefore, be imitators of God, mimic God, as beloved children, not as a cat, not as a pet, not as a, like, somebody who tries to worship God by putting a lot of humiliation on yourself and just prostrating all the time. As a beloved child. As a beloved child. And he said, and walk in love. This is how you imitate God. You walk in love. And what do you mean? Everybody talks about love. What do you mean walk in love? He gives you specifics here. He says, as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. A fragrant offering. A sacrifice to God. So here's how you mimic God. What is the main characteristic of this God that he revealed in Christ. Self-giving, self-sacrificing love. So for Paul, those lists, they're not just lists. They're expressions that flow out of the inner reality. So he says, those vices flow out of Gentiles because of the darkness and deadness. These beautiful things are supposed to begin to manifest through you because of the light inside of you. And how do you activate this light? How do you turn the switch on? By embracing the same attitude that Jesus had. Jesus has come to spend himself fully. That's your call, my friend. You need to, in the presence of God, to learn to receive this attitude. I don't care about my feelings anymore. I do, but I, I'm going to not to so much. I'm going to spend myself on the people that God is sending to my life. What about taking care of yourself and healthy emotional life and mental life? Yes, there needs to be wisdom. But the general attitude should be, I am not here to build my little private kingdom. I am here to spend myself on others. And how do you spend yourself in a big heroic act? Maybe some of you are called to do that. But most of us, in your daily walk, you spend your time, you spend, you give your attention, you give your money, you give your place, you provide hospitality, you accept people, you are spending yourself. And here's the, an interesting phenomenon. When you learn to do that, when you imitate God, when you're mimicking God, 
He joins you and he begins to do that through you. There's how you activate it. You remember something? You don't because even I don't. Those, they say there, there used to be those pumps for, with water. But for you to start getting some water out, you need to pour some water in it to prime the pump. Have you heard the expression? So as a Christian, you need to learn to get this attitude and in your daily walk, to learn to prime the pump. Every time you get grumpy or unhappy with somebody or something, just remind yourself, hey, come on, buddy. You're here to spend yourself, not to get and withhold and hoard, hoarder. See, you spend yourself. And the funny thing, there's an image from the Old Testament that Moses saw, and I think it's a beautiful image. It's a living bush that is ablaze with fire, but doesn't burn down, doesn't burn up. That's a call for you and me. It's on fire, but it doesn't burn. It's on fire, but it doesn't burn. So guys, I skipped so much. You have no idea. I probably had five more messages for you. But I'm going to tell you, today, I want you, if anything resonated in you, I want us to pray right now, quickly, briefly. But if you feel like praying individually with our prayer team members, they're going to be on both sides of this as we begin to worship come to them express your heart to them ask them to pray for you they will solidify whatever God is doing today through you so gosh I mean so much good stuff because time is not ah, I'll do it in the future with you all right <laughs> here's what's going to happen guys as you learn to embrace this attitude I'm going to spend myself we Neil and I I'll give you one more thing Neil and I we have a friend a pastor about the same age as Neil 60-something some, years old. Neil, I didn't make you too old. Good, I'm good. <clears throat> so he said, and he's been pastoring all his life. And he said, I received this prophecy from somebody that I trust. And they said, brother, you're not going to retire. Last years of your life, I'm going to be way more active than before. And you're going to just run off the cliff serving Jesus. And he said, yes, I take that. And I heard that. I was like, it's so exciting. I want to do that too. I said, Neil, let's do that. Let's just run off the cliff for Jesus. Seriously, like that's the attitude. Like seriously, that's the attitude. Because you will not burn burned up. You will just, you, you won't even notice how you transition into eternity, into glory. And there'll be reward there. Paul was so confident in that. That he, you almost feel like Paul had a choice. It's almost the Lord gave him a choice. Paul, I... You've done everything I asked you to do. You want to go home and like receive tons of cool stuff? He said like, um, I don't know, Lord. It's so exciting to be here because like uh, I'm helping these guys. And he said, I know my, my, my work is done. My, my crown is ready. My reward is just waiting for me. Do you have that sense? Well, you will if you begin to spend yourself for the name of the Lord. For the name of the Lord. All right, guys, to be continued, let's stand up will pray and we will begin to worship father we thank you so much for the reality of your kingdom given into our life and into our heart by the spirit of god through jesus christ father i thank you for every person who prayed to receive you today i pray seal this deal by manifesting yourself in their private life in their private time 
Father, right now begin to move by your spirit in people's hearts. Help us through the worship to enter into your presence and experience you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.